former world's top double tennis player Pan Shuai walked back to her story and also declared a retirement. How credible is her word? A San Francisco-grown Chinese-American girl, Yiling Gu, joined the Chinese Olympic team to compete against the U.S. Is it an innocuous as it seems? And the former Secretary of the State, David Stilwell, is with us today and to share with us his observation. Welcome to Wei and Kathy Show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. All right, how's your weekend? And uh, actually, today we got uh, three ladies, three, three female athletes story. Quite, you know, in, in, amazing, incredible. Okay, we've got a lot of to, to share with you. And uh, so two has to do with the Winter Olympics. Actually, two Chinese-American athletes joined Chinese... China's team and compete against the U.S. And how to see that? It's just some innocuous move or there's something more to that or deeper than that. That's the main topic of today. And we have, we have uh, General David Stelwell tonight with us. It's an you know, in interview and to show you how, what his observation. But before that, let's look at uh, Peng Shui's story. As you should, everybody should have known, Peng Shui, the former top-ranked double players of the tennis, the tennis and uh, drop out of the public view late last year. Okay, so basically what happened is, uh, okay, not our, you already know what happened. Let me just talk, give you the most update. In the past weekend, okay, Peng Shui is again um, catching the world media's uh, high attention. All right, so in that weekend, she dined with Thomas Bach, which is the IOC, International Olympics uh, Committee's chairman, Thomas Bach. And uh, also with the Kirsty Coventry, who is the uh, ethnic association's uh, former president, and uh, they met together, and then also have dinner together. In the meantime, and uh, accompanied accompanied by a Chinese a Chinese uh, Olympic Committee official, she accepted the interview of a sports journal called I don't know how to say that uh, Le. Um, Equipy. Equipy. Okay, the Equipy. Uh, it's an interview. Okay, and she said three things in that interview. Quite amazing. Okay, first, she denied that she has ever disappeared. The second, she denied she was uh, sexual harassed or abused. Third, she announced that she will terminate her professional tennis career. All right, so um, just back up a little bit. Last Thursday, um, the two days before the Thomas Box meeting with Peng Shui, IOC, International Olympic Committee, expressed issued statement saying that uh, if Peng Shui requests the investigation of the, his, uh, her charge against uh, the former top Chinese uh, CCP leader about her um, co the, 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 the coerced uh, sexual behavior, the IOC would support her. All right? So now they came to this uh, interview, and the reporter from the French uh, sports uh, magazine asked her, "So why, so what, 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 what have happened? You know, how, how, how were you? What, what about a story of the sexual um, abuse?" And she said, "It does not exist." She said, "Sexual assault. This is the original word. Okay, I never said that. Anyone made me submit to se sexual 
uh, assault. And then the reporter asked that, then why did you, why, why did you, why was your posting on the Weibo, the Chinese version of uh, Facebook, okay, why was that deleted? She said, uh, she said this way, okay, she said, I risked it. The reporter asked why. She said, because I wanted to. The obvious follow-up question would be, then why did you post it in the first place? For some reason, the reporter did not ask that question. By the way, every question um, to be asked has to be submitted for examination before that. All right. The reporter also asked him, her this question, whether she has been troubled with the Chinese authority since the post. This is her answer. You tell me how, how much you believe it. She said, quote, I was to say first of, first of all that emotions, sports, and the politics are three clearly separate things. My romantic problems, my private life should not be mixed with sports and the politics. What do you think, <laughs> Kathy? Well, it's very... Spokesperson. This is a yes. Democrat. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about a diplomat. Diplomat Peng Shui is speaking. Of in, course. In very Chinese style, yeah. right? And she, she, of course, you know, you understand, she has you know, my sympathy, our sympathy, and uh, she was under control. That's, she is under control, that's why she has to say that. Reporter then asked what uh, her life has been like since the November posting. This is, a, we're talking about the November 3rd, she posted on the Weibo about her story, how she was sexually assaulted uh, by the top Chinese, you know, CCP leader, which is the vice uh, premier, okay, uh, of the country. And her reply is this, quote, it is as it should be, nothing special, end quote. So what do you think? Well, well, obviously the interview was very much controlled. You know, it's pre-screened questions, so uh, any insensitive question won't be asked. And the uh, answers are prepared very, you know, formal, in a really uh, formality. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and regarding that, her disappearance, so basically after her posting on that day, November 3rd, she just disappeared from the public eyes for two weeks. Until no, no, November 21st, the Thomas Bach was arranged to have this meeting with her. That's how he showed up. So the reporter asked her that, uh, you know, like a Serena Williams and all the other tennis, top tennis player will show their support and ask, where is Peng Shui? And this is her reply to the reporter, quote unquote. Quote, I would like to know why so much worry. I never disappeared. It is simply that many people, like my friends and among them, those from IOC, send me messages. And it was completely impossible to respond to many messages. Okay. And she said, uh, as to my close friend I've been keeping close contact with, I talked with them, I replied their email, and I also talked to WTA, which is the uh, uh, Women's uh, Tennis Association which is the only organization, sports organization, that openly severed the tie with the CCP, um, citing the, um, their concern over the security, safety of Peng Shui. So that's basically the interview. Mm -hmm. And then, no sexual assault, I did not disappear, and I no longer play tennis anymore. So what do you think? Tap up your, your explanation of the, what's the context of her accepting that, the, that type of interview. As, a, as you know, that, so she's 36-year-old, okay? Serena Williams, she's a 41-year-old, and she's still playing tennis. Okay, if you recall the former champion like uh, Martina uh, Navrati Nulova, and she retired at the at age of the 50. Mm -hmm. So a, a women tennis player can really play to, 
you know, long time. But anyway, and uh, when she Peng Shui that, that does not show did not show up in the Australia Open, people were asking where is she? You know, she can have this online meeting with uh, Thomas Bach, and uh, accompanied by Chinese government's official, she could never go just go to Australia, and uh, any other outside any any place outside of China. All right. And by the way, the country really has a history of disappearing people who run afoul with uh, office leaders. And so besides Peng Shui, let, let's, let me just give you a few more examples. Ma, uh, Jack Ma, as you know. Jack Ma, if we have the photo there. Jack Ma is the founder of the Alibaba, right? The, the, top, the, the number one Chinese e-commerce site. And uh, in October 2020, she, in her open speech, she criticized Chinese government's uh, um, being too conservative, then he disappeared from the public site. How long? Two months. By the way, Jack Ma is very high profile. He open, you know, like to speak things, and she's, he's everywhere, and uh, people give him camera and give him, you know, pictures, and he, he really likes to travel and talk and things like that. For two months, he disappeared. And when he show up again, he just say something. He basically say, no explanation to my disappearing. And now, the Jack Ma already dis, uh, declared retire, retirement, also retirement, okay? And he's uh, um, <clears throat> show up in public, public scenes very, very rarely. Nobody knows what's his condition and the whereabout her, his whereabout. This is first, first example. The second is uh, Fan Bingbing. For any Chinese, they know Fan Bingbing is one of the most renowned um, actress in China. In the 2018, when he just suddenly disappeared for f about four months. His Weibo, basically, is like his Facebook, stopped updating, and his company in the Beijing, with all the office was just uh, cleared out. When she reappeared again, she apologized publicly for her evasion, tax evasion. Okay, she, she was fined about 130 million US dollars. And another person is Meng Hongwei. And Meng Hongwei was the, uh, how to say, deputy minister of the public security bureau, uh, public security ministry, and also, he's the chairman of the Interpol, okay? Interpol, International Police uh, Organization, Interpol. And uh, when he returned to China in 2018, he also disappeared for several weeks. Finally, he was declared being arrested and put in jail. But uh, his wife was left behind in France, and uh, his wife completely denied all those charges. He said those are untruthful, and he was cleansed, and because he wanted to push for reform with his uh, position or, and his... Um, how to say his status, and uh, so and we talk about the two Canadian, right? The, the Michael um, Kovrig and uh, the, the, the the he's the uh, former diplomat, and also the businessman Michael um, Spanville of the Canada. They just disappear. Chinese, Chinese government never said we arrest them. They just disappear. When the Mo Wanzhou, this is Huawei's uh, how to say CFO. CFO was released, and they were released. So this is the this is CCP's way. They put you away without giving any explanation until you cave in, until you surrender, until you collaborate with them, then you, they let you out. Yeah, so that's the fate of a uh, uh, you know, female athlete, Feng, Peng Shui, in China, right? So now next we'll bring you the stories of uh, two Chinese-American um, athletes, uh, female athletes, who you know, reportedly renounced their citizenship of the United States and uh, representing the People's Republic of China in this uh, Winter Olympics. So how's their fate gonna be? 
So one one of them is actually uh, was uh, born and uh, raised here in San Francisco, Yilin Gu. Yilin Gu is a um, a, a skier uh, who you know is very talented. Obviously, she started uh, to ski at a very young age and. I started to compete in the international um, competitions at age of uh, 13 mm -hmm. as an adult, right? Yeah. yeah, so... Let's give a little bit background. How about, about her mother? Oh, yeah, I will, 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 yes. will get into and that. I'll wait for that. Yes. Yeah, so this is one. The other one is the Beverly Zhu or Yi Zhu, her Chinese name. She's uh, uh, also born in California, in Southern California, figure skater. Um, she also reportedly, you know, renounced uh, her citizenship of the United States and uh, uh, representing uh, China in this uh, Olympics. So interesting thing is I just wanted to give you the most updates. The two of them uh, had a high hope of winning medals, but uh, each of them actually just had a pretty dramatic um, performance at the Olympic Games already. So Yilin Gu, actually, she's like in the hope of uh, winning three medals. Gold medal. Gold, gold medals medal. yes. in the ski competition. Mm -hmm. But actually, on Monday, when she was competing to qualify for the Big Air freestyle final, she actually lost a ski on her second jump, which could jeopardize her chance to make the final. But, uh, you know, she made it because uh, at her third jump, it was pretty solid. So pushed her up to the fifth place and secured her place in the finals. And Beverly Jew is not that, wasn't that lucky. She fell twice during the women's short program team event, crashed into the wall during her routine, and then fell again during the short performances. And she was blasted in the Chinese social media. You know, we'll talk about, about more uh, later. So let's tell their backgrounds because I think it's worth knowing that and then it will lead to our discussion. Uh, Elaine Gu, she was born in San Francisco. This, um, now she's 18, okay? And she was uh, raised in a very rich area in San Francisco, the Sea Cliff area. In her room, she can see the Golden Gate. All right, and uh, she's graduated from San Francisco University High School. It's a very expensive private school. Annual tuition is more than 54000 And uh, so arguably, she's the best female freestyle skier in the world. And um, so as, like right after she went, uh, earned her first World Cup win in it Italy, in 2019, a few months later, at, at that time she's only 15. A few months later, she announced in a tweet that she has decided to compete for China in the 2020 Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. So but, why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will talk about that. But uh, you know, we mentioned about her mom. She actually was born to a mom who was immigrate who immigrated from China. And uh, obviously, she has an American dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, her mom graduated from Beijing University, which is a prestigious university in China. Her dad graduated from Harvard. It was reportedly her grandfather um, also graduated from Stanford. 
and uh, her mom's parents graduated from prestigious universities from China. So it seems, you know, she's raised in a very, you know, um, intellectual family. And also very elite of a family. So basically there's no detailed information about uh, where, you know, who her mother exactly was, yes, but she was actually, she grew up in the region, like west of the Tiananmen Square, which is the, for the Chinese CCP elite people. So she could be, her mother could be some type of a prisoner. We don't know, okay? We don't have that information. Uh, yeah, one thing we do know is that actually on her LinkedIn, mm -hmm. she's a investor. She owns her own investment mm -hmm. company and a specialist in investing in China. Mm -hmm. So if people know about that, in order to have, you know, she's just devoted, uh, her business devoted into investment in China, you have to have relationships in China, yeah. especially with the government. So just give me a, give you a little backdrop. Um, I'm not saying for certain, um, and uh, her mother's name is Gu Yan. Okay, I don't know who she is. I have no information about that, but I just want to tell you one phenomenon that may, may fit in here, may or may not fit in here. So for CCP officials, believe it or not, you can, you can type up if you don't believe me and uh, raise your question. For CCP um, officials, they, they have power there, they have money there, okay, they have their whatever, their career there, but in their mind, the safe place would be not in China, but in the US, because the US is so open and is so tolerant and is so free, okay? So when they, 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 okay, they got their money and through corruption or whatever, and bribery, they move the money to the US, all right? And they move their family to the US, they stay here. So actually the most elite CCP official and their relatives, they have their family in this country. They come here, live a very good life because they have a lot of money, they can easily go back anytime and make a lot of money there. So they have the, both, the best of both countries. They got the freedom here and um, to do whatever they want. Also, also they got the privilege in, in China. I'm not saying that Guiyin is one type, but from, from that type, okay, it depends on in-depth in investigation. But just judging from her experience, as reported by this, um, this long investigative reporting by the economics, right? And it shows me that um, she really carried a lot of traces of, of that type of people. Um, I just want to insert that. Yeah, so maybe we just continue to present you more facts. Um, oh, one thing is it obvious, it seems, you know, we cannot be certain the, the two, uh, Elaine Gu's parents probably, you know, separated or mm -hmm. divorced. And she bears the last name of her mom. So then you may wonder in 2019, at the age of 15, why Elaine Gu decided to you know, just to compete for China in the 2020 Olympics. And uh, officially she said on her um, Instagram, she said that the opportunity to help inspire millions of young people where my mom was born during the 2020 Beijing Olympic Winter Game is 22. a- 22. Mm -hmm. win Beijing Winter Olympic Games is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to help promote the sport I love. So basically, she said, I love this sport and I wanted to promote it in China. Actually, at that time, there wasn't uh, many, there weren't many of uh, the skiers, in, women skiers, especially in China. So, you know, she justified uh, her motivation. And in uh, uh, 
interview with AP last winter, she said, I have a much greater impact in China than in the United States. And that's ultimately why I made that decision. And in an interview with the New York Times, she explained her decision to pass on the questioning uh, to answering any question about China. She said, there's no need to be div divisive. I think everything I do is all about inclusivity and it's all about making everybody feel as connected as possible because um, obviously the questions were uh, trying, not even about Peng Shui or the human rights, mm -hmm. but uh, they've been very careful. In the, it was reported by New York Times that uh, the daughter and the mom actually didn't want to accept the interview unless the questions were pre-screened. So her mom, uh, Gu Yan, is now 58 years old, says she will not be willing to talk about her daughter unless the New York Times avoid China-related political issues and allowed her to review the article before it's published. Mm. Yeah, and it was the same thing for the report by the econom Economist, mm -hmm. the long article. They said the same thing. And the New York Times uh, declined her offer and therefore did not conduct a formal interview with her. Uh, but uh, the sports agent for Gu Yan and Elaine uh, Gu is called uh, Tom Yaps. He admitted that they were concerned about how the New York Times story could, would be interpreted interpreted in China does have a negative impact on them. So let's see how, like in terms of why he, she wanted to represent PRC instead of um, United States, and let's see how the Chinese media reported. So I found one reporting, saying that the reporter asked uh, um, Elaine Gu why she chose to fight for China. Elaine Gu said that uh, she has been living in, China, in Beijing with her mom since she was a child and that she had not only learned to play table tennis in Beijing, but uh, that uh, her mom had uh, also enrolled her in a very short training courses, which allowed her to make many good friends. So she thinks she's actually a Beijing hutong girl. Hutong is the alley, alley yeah. in Beijing, very traditional, typical, um, like uh, living there. She said, I'm a Beijing Hutong girl. So when she saw that she finally made it in skiing because of the training in the United States, she wants to represent China and show the world what a Chinese athlete looks like. That's reported by the Chinese media. Then the Chinese media had this comment, oh, her Beijing phrase of uh, Hutong girl brought tears to the eyes and showed that this child of Chinese descent has a strong Chinese patriotic feelings. So there you can see how, you know, we don't know, because you can compare her answers to different media. And obviously in the Chinese media, they do have an agenda to really show how she switched her allegiance, shows her patriotic um, sentiment to China. So actually, um, exactly why and how she switched the allegiance, the Yahoo News flagged a now deleted passage on her Red Bull athlete profile and explained how at 15, 
year, age of 15, she decided to give up her American passport and naturalize as a Chinese citizen in order to compete for China in Beijing because Chinese law doesn't recognize dual nationality. But this paragraph has since been taken off the line, uh, the website. So, but Elaine Gu certainly has not ditched America. She has been accepted to Stanford, just deferred admission for a year. And also another thing is that she, uh, in March of uh, 2021, she said she applied for uh, a presidential, uh, presidential um, plan, like a, a scholarship, but uh, she wasn't eventually admitted. But in order to apply for this uh, presidential scholarship, she has to be either a green card holder or US citizen. US citizen. Mm -hmm. So that really raised the question. Um, so we talked about her mom, right? And uh, according to someone who's familiar with the mom, uh, his name is Mike Hanley. He's a head of school at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, Wayne's East Mountain Academy in Oregon, which is a training facility for Olympic skiers. And Mike Henley said, all roads to Elaine Gu go through Yan, the mom. And uh, his impression on the mom is that Yan is a very pleasant, but one of the most intense human beings I have ever met in my life. She smiles and tells you how great you are, but then you find out after the fact what the requests are. She loves her daughter and wants her daughter to get priority. And according to Henley, uh, he said that these sports are very expensive, the ski sports. So many of the Americans asked for favors. Gu Yan, the mom, was willing to pay, which is very rare in the action sports industry. She paid for coaching and travel. So obviously she Money has, is not an issue. Money is not an issue for her. And uh, then, you know, Henley said, uh, Ilingu is the golden star for the country with the fastest growing economy, which is in the, you know, in a lot of people's impression, but whether that's true or not, you know, people can just judge by themselves. And uh, he said uh, she can be the Tony Hawk of winter sports in China, which means will be a lot of uh, commercial interest and economic incentive for Ilingu in China. In America, Good sponsor, including like the Red Bulls, Cardillac, and uh, Victoria's Secret. But those big names really is nothing by comparing to the deals uh, she has been made in China, uh, which, you know, the uh, state-run broadcaster CCTV has described her as the perfect girl next door, and she has landed uh, over 20 endorsement deals and each of them would uh, be at least cost about $2.5 million, according to CampaignAsia.com. So, and um, actually she was in the picture with uh, Xi Jinping uh, last year, which she never mentioned about it. That's in 2019. Yeah, just to insert a little bit. So after that, the Italy World Championship, and when every all her U.S. team colleagues and uh, come back to Utah, which is another game, and she actually headed to Beijing. It was a 
secretly arranged a meeting with the General Secretary Xi Jinping along with other ethnic, presume, yeah, uh, not just her. So basically, the, the CCP was arranging for a group of. Uh, I guess foreign-born athletes to go to go, go over there to Beijing and then met with Xi Jinping and Xi Jinping said, uh, basically, yeah, what he said is like, uh, you sir, be loyal to your motherland and love your motherland and uh, help with the motherland's rejuvenation. Okay. Yeah, and because I think the CCP government is uh, they have been starting a naturalization program to. Just uh, naturalize those uh, foreign-born Chinese yeah. athletes. And you read, read, read the report, and uh, you think, oh, okay, so basically she chose to align with um, China, and she got naturalized, just like somebody got naturalized into the U.S. No, 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 so simple. But uh, let's hold the breath here, okay? Let, let's continue the story until we visit this key issue. The most key issue with the story, um, we'll be talking about that a bit later. Yeah, so that's what, you know, there's a, um, according to New York Post, a former ex-game athlete who asked not to be identified said in China, Gu will be supported by the government and the, the amount of money, the amount of support she gets from China will be so much higher than she would get in America. But on the other hand, you know, in China, all those athletes, they have to stay silent most of the time. According to the Economist report, Gu's decision to represent China has amplified her fame and wealth, but it has also made her a showpiece for an increasingly um, repressive government that requires one thing in return, which is silence. Gu and her mom declined the request for interview for the Economist story as well, you know, the same as uh, the New York, New York Times, Times story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, again, he, uh, her sports agent, Tom Yaps, uh, said that the family would not take part unless they could review the entire article before publication to guarantee there's no criticism of China appeared in the text. Yeah. So this is the, the, the key sentence. Okay. The, 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 his rap said, uh, Okay. Yeah, he said, I understand how unconventional a request that is, but political sensitivity were making them very cautious. And uh, Gu Yan, uh, he told me, feared that if Elaine's participation uh, participates in an article that has two paragraphs critical of China and the human rights, that would put her in jeopardy over there. One thing in a career is ruined. Yeah, so they really know how CCP works, and they know how to, where to, you know, take caution. And in the meantime, indeed, we just remember that just uh, uh, almost at the same time, 2019, when the Houston, um, Houston Rocket, right, the, the general manager spoke out on Hong Kong, just tweet some tweet, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. So CCP. You know, they just uh, stopped the broadcasting in China of the Houston rocket, and then all the NBA store removed all rocket uh, merchandise, and the China censors even scrapped the rockets from the daily sports um, reports. It's like the Houston rocket does not has never existed. All right, it cost NBA hundreds of millions of dollars. So apparently, you know, Gu Yan, her mother, and really know this very well. Mm -hmm. So she she has to 
every report about her, you know, interview interviewing the girl or the mother, have to make sure that no criticism of Chinese government was there. In the meantime, and this girl was quite a woken, a woke girl, right? She advocates empowerment for women and the Black Lives Matters when she was in the, you know, just high school here in San Francisco. But when the, you know, her fellow female athlete like. Uh, um, Peng Shuai, as we just reported to you, and she actually didn't say anything about that. Yeah, and she, you know, it just tried to avoid the, the questions. So, and the one may just still press the question, right? Exactly, has she really denounced her uh, citizenship in the United States? So actually, Yiling Gu told ESPN in a January 2020 interview a year ago, actually two years ago. She said, since I was little, I've always said when I'm in the United States, I'm American. But when I'm in China, I'm Chinese. And through her agent, the Tom Yeps guy, Gu declined to comment on her citizenship status. She has never confirmed whether she renounced her American passport, and that there's no official record of her renouncing uh, her U.S. citizenship. Gu has never publicly shared whether she has, you know, re renounced either. And uh, on March, as I mentioned before, on March 1st, 2021, she posted on Weibo, which is a, a Chinese. Uh, uh, social media equivalent to Twitter that she applied for the U.S. Presidential Scholars Program in 2021, which is only open to U U.S. citizens or permanent residents. Yeah, I want to call it out here. Okay, so um, what Kathy just described, you may not feel is that relevant. Okay, naturalization, meaning become a, a Chinese citizen so that it can compete for Team China, right? And uh, being an American, versus being a Chinese, it's day and the night, it's two different world, <clears throat> okay? And if this girl loved China so much and is willing to re relinquish her US citizenship and join China, I have only respect for a different opinion, okay? She apparently holds a different opinion than I, but if she or people around her claim that she gave it up, she has already given up US citizenship to join Team China, but she has not. You see? First, that's a big lie. The second, she's getting the best of both worlds. She got the, all the benefit, as Kathy just reported to you from China, she remained to be a US citizen, having the protection of the US government and the, 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 and the US constitution and the freedom of US. That's the big issue here, which I will come back and then talk about at the end of it. This is the biggest, uh, how the pivotal or the key, most key issue here. Yeah, um, because, uh, you know, um, everybody knows the PRC, CCP government, they don't accept dual citizenship. Yeah, so in theory, yeah. if you join Team China, you have to relinquish US, US citizenship. Yeah, but would uh, PRC, the government, um, just give her exception? We don't know, right? But, uh, you know, obviously, as I described, she had never officially just faced this question directly. So actually, you know, it really, her, um, such things really kind of uh, caused her peers to question a, a lot. A former Winter X Game gold medalist for the United States women's team, uh, Jen Hadak, she said, it's not my place to judge, right? Uh, Elaine's from California, not from China. Uh, her decision 
uh, to ski for China seems opportun uh, opportunistic. Okay, and uh, Jen said, uh, I cannot speak to what Elaine's Chinese heritage means to her, and she has every right to do what she believes is best for her career. But she said, uh, Elaine Gu became the athlete she is because she grew up in the United States where she had access to the premier training grounds and the coaching that as a female she might not have had in China. So Jen uh, Hadak said that I think she would be a different skier if she grew up in China. This makes her she very uh, makes her very sad. Mm -hmm. And if you read the uh, Chinese media, they made a document documentary for her, and then Chinese people think she has already been nationalized. But wherever she go, according to all the reports that I can find, wherever she go, she refused to give a clear answer whether she's still a U.S. citizen or not. Okay, there's no answer there. But Chinese people already thought she's a Chinese. But she refused to give clear answer whether she has re relinquished the U.S. citizenship. Again, so she got the best of both worlds, and, um, and uh, very possibly under a, a sheer fly. Yeah, so let's uh, shift attention to another, the other athlete, the Beverly Zhu, or Yi Zhu. She's 19 years old, um, born in Southern California, a figure skater. Uh, she has also said to renounce her U.S. citizenship to compete for China at uh, this Olympic game. Uh, and uh, so, but she wasn't so lucky, right? She fell twice in the short game. And then the Chinese um, uh, social media app Weibo on there just exploded to the point that they, have, they had to de deactivate it. Okay. Um, so, but you know, in some of the comments, some of the comments, just no sympathy to her. And she, some people even just say, you know, it's such a disgrace. And in, some even just questioning uh, naturalized her uh, as a Chinese, uh, saying that uh, maybe uh, your performance is so ridiculous. And uh, she said, how, uh, people said, how dare you skate for China? All right, so she's not appreciated. And one netizen referred to uh, her father, Zhu Songchun, and uh, saying that congratulations the Chinese skating team on their significant contribution to the computer field. So why is that? Her father, Zhu Songchun, uh, let's talk about him a little bit because uh, it's uh, pretty revealing. He's a top supposedly a top uh, artificial intelligence expert and a professor in UCLA. She returned to China in 2020 to head a major research institute. So uh, Zhu Songchun, he's a native, a native from Hubei province. Hubei province is where the city of Wuhan is. The infamous city where the virus came from. Right. and. Uh, so he's a renowned expert in computer vision, statistical, and applied mathematics. And artificial intelligence uh, is also his special specialty. He is uh, currently a professor in the Department of Statistics and Computing at the University of 
California, Los Angeles, and the director of Center for Vision, Cognition, Learning, and uh, Auto Autonomy at UCLA. In 2021, he, uh, in 2011, he became the IEEE Fellow, which is with the Institute of Electric and uh, Electronics Engineering, won Mar Prize for three times. And uh, then he founded uh, an AI startup in Los Angeles in 2017, and the next year he moved it to Guangzhou, China. So in, in September 2020, Zhu returned to China to join Beijing University to lead its Institute for Artificial Intelligence. And guess what? You may already have this question. Is he a member of the Chinese government's uh, Thousand Talents Plan? Yes, I found it. Um, there is a, a, a name list of the Thousand Talent Plan. It's only up to 2013. So there was a reporting saying that he probably joined the plan in around 2010. So what does that all tell us, right? I sat down, I actually interviewed uh, uh, General David Stilwell uh, earlier today, who is the former Deputy Secretary of State and the Trump administration, who's responsible for the Asian Pacific affairs. So first of all, I just asked General Stilwell, what is his take on these incidences, you know, where these, uh, these uh, um, uh, like the next generation of the Chinese immigrants representing the PRC instead of uh, uh, United States? Uh, first off, it's not unusual for uh, American athletes um, who to go play for their native uh, countries. Basketball is one of the bigger ones. A lot of NBA players will go play for their native, you know, Serbia, Latvia, or wherever. So that in itself isn't, I don't think, uh, concerning. The thing that got my attention on this was the fact that they said, and again, the reports are kind of sketchy, and communications with the athletes in Beijing is unnecessarily difficult right now. Nonetheless, reports say that they had to give up their American citizenship. One said that. Others said they had to, they didn't talk about their American citizenship, but they had to uh, address their Chinese citizenship. And so they forced them to get um, Chinese, uh, maybe passports. It's all very unclear, but it, it raises a number of questions about what they had to do uh, to become part of the Chinese uh, Olympic team. It also raises questions in my mind about the Chinese Thousand Talents program. We know that it's, they're using that in our universities. Charles Lieber, a uh, MIT or Harvard uh, scholar, has been recently brought to court, and I think convicted of you know accepting Thousand Talents money for his own purposes to give away research to the Chinese side. So, whether using Thousand Talents to uh, bring in American research or to bring in American athletic talent, um, that's just not how things are done in, in the larger world. And the third thing is, when I, as soon as I read that, you know, if you're 60 years old or older, you remember the Cold War pretty clearly. And I know you're too young to remember this, but you know, a lot of us do remember when the Olympics were a major source of ideological conflict. The 1956 Melbourne Olympics, you had, uh, there's a movie came out called Blood in the Water, where the Soviets had just invaded uh, Hungary. And Hungary was one of the better water polo teams in the Olympics. 
and they beat the Soviets four to zero, but uh, they got beat up in the process. So this friendly competition in the spirit of peace and goodwill that we hear coming out of Beijing brings to mind issues like the uh, the Hungarian water polo team getting beat up uh, in, in, in what was supposed to be a non-ideological, non-political sporting event. Uh, and one other thing, when you talk about um, giving up your American passport, which again, it's unclear as to what the two women had to do to, to be able to compete on the Chinese side. It also brings to mind another Cold War story about a guy named uh, Charles Robert Jenkins, who defected to North Korea from South Korea. He was a U.S. soldier on the demilitarized zone. And in 1965, he walked across into North Korea, uh, believing the propaganda and that he'd be treated better in North Korea uh, and basically defected from the U.S., he quickly came to regret that decision, and he was only released in 2004, 40 years later. 40 years of being held in the worst possible conditions in North Korea. And I just feel, I hope that uh, these athletes haven't made bad choices uh, in, in the way of giving up their American passports to for the chance to participate on the Chinese team. Yeah, so, and actually, you know, I also shared with the General Stilwell that uh, Zhu Songchun, right, the father of uh, Beverly Zhu, is uh, in fact a member of the Thousand Talent Plan and what his uh, viewpoint on that. The key problem here is a closed authoritarian system in competition with an open democratic market-based uh, system. Our system is vulnerable to these things. And, and individuals will prioritize their own personal betterment in terms of financial status over any national security concerns. And this is a very easy formula that we've seen repeated again and again. And honestly, the only way you can prevent that in the future is to create laws against it. We need the Congress to get involved. Uh, there has been, on the FBI side, there has been enforcement on the Thousand Talents programs, people who are hiding the money that they're receiving, who aren't telling, look, a lot of these people are receiving U.S. government money to do this research, and then they're taking the results of those research, funded by the American taxpayer, and they're getting paid by the PRC to hand it off to the PRC, which in many cases that technology or research ends up being used against us, AI, military hardware, and the like. So this is just common sense. And, Kathy, we have to remember what the Cold War was like, remember what this ideological competition was like, and do our best to defend ourselves for once because we have yet, I mean, since we said the word rebalance in 2012, here we are a decade later, and we still really haven't girded up for competition. We have to start soon. Maybe this is the event that will do it. Yeah, so the story about uh, Charles Robert Jenkins, um, the, who defected from the United States to North Korea, I think it's very you know interesting. I didn't know about that until now. But um, one you know stark difference is uh, right now, for example, for especially for Elaine Gu, she has lucrative commercial interest and the financial benefits for going to China, representing China. So I just asked General Stilwell, what does he made of it? It's a really good question. And I think the lesson is don't, you can't believe the propaganda. Americans are used to having uh, information from anywhere they want to get it, and they are allowed to make up their own minds. But if you're you know, reading a lot of the propaganda coming to us from the PRC, through Sinhua, through CCTV, through people that are living in the United States posing as journalists and other things, or statements from the government in Beijing. If you're believing that without approaching it with a very skeptical eye, 
uh, you're being, you're, you're not getting the full story and uh, you're being duped. And so it sounds great. You can come to China, you can live free, you can make a lot of money and you can be back amongst your own people. And, and these very, uh, unfortunately, racial arguments as well are coming to, to the fore. Um, in the U.S., race really has no um, meaning uh, as a country of immigrants. You know, China is a country that is made up primarily of people who grew up in that region. Uh, in the United States, and I realize this is a tough subject, but nonetheless, if you live in the U.S. and you live in China, you don't understand real racism until you've lived in China. And you definitely understand what it's like to call people from Tibet animals, to treat Uyghurs uh, as though they are somehow all ter terrorists with the complete blessing of the government. Sure, we have our problems here in the U.S., but to compare what we do here in the U.S. to what goes on in China is complete, it's complete nonsense. Uh, someone just did that recently, and uh, someone uh, you know at a high level who really should know better made that comparison, and I'm telling you there's no comparison. So my point is, is you have these great promises and all those things, but until you've actually lived overseas, and especially until you've lived in the PRC, you just don't get it. You don't understand what a uh, uh, onerous and oppressive authoritarian surveillance state is like, where everything you do is being watched and questioned and, and perhaps used against you outside of a court of law. There, you don't have you don't have a legal protections there. So, uh, but I am getting off the main point. The, the, the main point is the Olympics, and um, you know uh, PRC's proven. Uh, will or desire to win at all costs, regardless of, you know, the rules. And so now you're seeing a guy named Vincent uh, Joe, who, a skater, who somehow tested positive for COVID. Um, this guy was in uh, medal contention. He easily could have uh, medaled. I, I, I want to be careful in what I suggest, but given the fact that over time we now know that when the PRC says something, and you compare it to what it actually does, very rarely are those the same thing. I first, when I saw that, wondered who did the tests? Who did the PCR tests on Mr. Joe? Who did the testing, right? And, and the results and the interpretation of those results. And my guess, having seen this act before, is those things are held in tight control by the government. Um, the International Olympic Committee hasn't proven up to its requirements to keep the games fair. We've seen statements out of the IOC, you know, lavishing praise on Xi Jinping in the opening game, the, the opening ceremonies. So now the IOC has proven it's as well to be not doing its job, is to be a neutral you know, convener of the games and there to make sure it's all being done fairly. Uh, it's going to be hard to live that down. Um, and I hope, uh, I hope they are actually doing their best to keep these games fair. Yeah, I just say, given the history and the track record, it is not unreasonable to question how those uh, COVID tests were conducted. Yeah, and then for young Americans like Elaine Gu and uh, Beverly Zhu, they actually have to basically censor their own speeches in order to uh, be competing for China. So what would be the impact? Parents can tell their children whatever they want. And, you know, it is, it's it's concerning that the people who fled China, I think Ms. Gu's mom actually left China after Tiananmen, uh, are now defending that same regime. Can I, we, let's wait till the facts are in, so I, I don't know that this is true, but sure, it's, it's what it sounds like. That's one thing, and 
we'll let them talk to that when they talk to the press, when they're allowed to speak more openly when they come back to the U.S. Although they're probably going to be reluctant to do that because there's financial and monetary issues at stake here. Um, to answer your question here in a second, but that's the interesting thing about how the PRC leverages its economic force. Oftentimes, if you're a small country, New Zealand, Australia, Lithuania, they will say we're going to basically uh, embargo all of uh, Australian coal and iron ore and lobster and wine. That would devastate the Australian economy. But what more often not than what they do, more often than not, is they withhold the promise of some sort of financial support. And it's really interesting to see, they actually never have to come through with these promises. They, they simply tell universities that, oh, you know, if you, you speak out, it's gonna be really hard for us to send students your way. Um, there's no students coming right now. And so the people, there's this potential, there's this promise of, of having uh, 300, you know, some $300,000 scholarship full rides, Chinese students coming through or grants and other things. So. That's um, it's a difficult problem. But the bigger problem here on censorship is when our own government does it. And we have people in our government, you know, particularly in the Congress, someone from near where you live, who has said, you don't speak out against anything that you believe in in these Olympics uh, because the U.S. isn't going to be able to come save you. <laughs> of course we can save them. I mean, if we wanted to, we could definitely make a deal that the PRC could, would definitely lose. And think of the the catastrophic impact on the reputation of the PRC. If they started taking Olympians hostage because they are exercising their right to free speech. There's never been Olympics where you weren't allowed to say anything until this one. And that is, that's just, I mean, I, that's, that's not who we are. We don't tell our people to self-censor. Uh, I'm really disappointed now. Yeah, so is there any other takeaways? Well, I do think that the entire uh, activity, I mean, I'm seeing it from my friends who don't necessarily have the same you know, time in China that I do, are asking a lot of questions about the opening ceremonies, the clearly scripted, you know, propagandist ministry scripted lines that the IOC and the NBC narrators are reading. And you're thinking, you know, that's not true. And, and why are you praising a regime that you all know is... is uh, not democratic is treating its own people very badly. So, I, in, in in all cases like this, especially in the recent few years, people are beginning to see through the facade. They hear the words, but they're actually looking and, and judging for themselves, using their own minds to compare to the words and deeds. And they're saying, "Ah, that doesn't resonate." You know, all the things we're hearing uh, doesn't make sense. So, if, if this serves to get people to question more and more of the propaganda coming out of seeing lost CCTV, CGTN, and all the rest, that, that's a, a significant victory because they will continue to question these things as they discover that they aren't untrue. Last thing is I'm, again, very disappointed in our own university's failure to uphold the highest standards of uh, academic integrity and free speech. This is what they used to actually bank on. You could think or say or do anything in a classroom so long as you could validate it and back it up with facts, right? And now there's a story that George Washington University, somebody posted, I think the artist posted some posters. Uh, uh, by, is it Tsai? Uh, He's an artist who made uh, posters of the Olympics. One of them is a, a Chinese hockey player checking 
a uh, Tibetan monk into the boards or um, snowboarding on a surveillance camera. I'll send you the, the link and you might want to put that up. But he had these things on display, I think, at George Washington University. And the leadership at George Washington University told them to take them down. What happened to free speech and, and, and open conversation and intellectual pursuit? The, you know, you, you're watching what's going on with Joe Rogan and Spotify. You've got 1960s uh, folk artists like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, whose entire fortunes were made on the idea of, you know, speaking out and being activists. And these people are saying that you can't let Joe Rogan speak publicly. Whether Joe Rogan is right or not, he's an American with the right to say whatever he wants, um, so long as he's not creating, uh, you know, negative outcomes, which he, as far as I can tell is not. But isn't it funny how the roles are reversed now? These people who are solid advocates in your neighborhood, they're in Berkeley and Haight-Ashbury and all these other places uh, of free speech and, these, and, and they benefited from that, are now actively squashing ideas that they don't like. Uh, that's, that's too much like the, the, the Chinese communist system for my liking. I hope we can stop this very bad idea. Very normal, actually. When in the 1940s, uh, when when the nationalist uh, CCP tried to how to say upend the nationalist uh, party, and they basically advocate promote democracy all across the board until they got the power, then they shut down everything. Mm -hmm. You know, use the freedom to attack freedom. Yeah, use so, democracy to attack democracy. Yeah, whenever it's not according, you know, do not agree with their rhetoric, they will use their freedom to crush your freedom. Uh, one thing uh, the, that uh, General Stilwell mentioned at the last question, she pointed out uh, how the uh, an organization we wanted to just to tell a little bit more about it. It's the, called the China Students and the Scholar. Association ACSSA. Yeah, so it's all around the country in most of the universities here, uh, believe it or not. So, um, oh, just mind you, okay. Mm -hmm. um, in most Chinese uh, American universities, this Chinese association all, all carry the same name. You think that's uh, is that just coincidence? Because they all come from the party, come from from, from the Chinese government, okay, administered by a foreign regime our student association in our university. Yeah, so a lot of people are not aware of that. So General Stewart actually sent me a follow-up email. He really wanted to you know, explain uh, more clearly. And he said and that's how the whole thing, he looked at it, how he looked at it. For, for the first one, some in the United States government and at least one human rights organizations, we know that, right, told American athletes to self-censor because the CCP takes hostages and the United States may not be able to do anything about it. Um, then he said that this actually means the PRC is a very dangerous place to be in and it seeks to export its uh, authoritarian government to other countries since democracy is a direct threat to the CCP. And second, so why should the OIC, um, the Olympic International Committee, IOC, uh, yeah, um, Olympic Inter International Olympic Committee allow the games to be played there? And then, um, according to General Stilwell, there are reports that uh, two American uh, athletes have become naturalized citizens, as we talked about, of the. PRC, but he said only 1,400 people from around the world become PRC citizens last year. And uh, 
it means you know China really builds a wall to uh, keep people inside. By comparison, roughly seven hundred thousand people become American citizens. Seven hundred thousand Chinese people. Uh, Chinese people? No. General, general generally, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. Seven hundred thousand American yeah. citizen each year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, you know, he said that we build a walls to keep people out. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that that's you know the data tells. Yeah, thank you for staying with us. I think it's been too long, and appreciate you're still here. Uh, and I really want to um, summarize my observation here. Okay, so first, Beverly, this Beverly, this girl, Beverly right? Chu. She failed, and they really just dump on her. And uh, the, the fans in China, because what they see, they see these two ladies as useful fools. When they're not useful, they're gonna laugh at them. Okay, they don't appreciate their so-called uh, um, patriotic patriotism. And but is it really? And uh, Kathy just uh, reported to you about fourteen hundred naturalized people. Okay, into Chinese citizen, but this may not be the case here. Okay, so just let's dial back a little bit. Just dial back for forty years uh, before nineteen eighty. Okay, so what's the difference between U.S. and uh, Soviet Union? And uh, between that pair and uh, the today, uh, U.S. versus China, right? So basically, the CCP is only more ferocious, more more uh, belligerent, and more and a more powerful economy. And before they show all this, more cunning. Okay, they hide their intention and cover the wolf head with the sheepskin for forty years, and uh, fool us into believing them. But it is a, a more um, dangerous opponent or enemy uh, than the Soviet Union. So back then, forty years ago, when this thing happened, okay, a U.S. A, a, a how to say a American run over to the to join Soviet Union team is called a defection. Nowadays, defection has no consequence. Okay, it's see as just personal choice. But if this country are really at war together, it's not today yet. But you you envision five or ten, five years or ten years down the road, it is just like that. So essentially, it is a defection, but with no with no consequence. Okay, why? Defection without consequence is the reason for the defection to happen. Okay, what do, what do I mean? Because America is open, is tolerant. America America doesn't mind its individual citizen to choose to compete for their motherland. Uh, how to say motherland nation? But in China, these two ladies can go there, get the endorsement of the. The, the top leader, the supreme leader, and they make tons of money over there, and then so they they but they they without giving up their U.S. citizenship, okay? So they they want to eat the cake on both ends, because there's really no consequence, right? If you do this type of defection, U.S. won't do any anything. So they to them it's like why 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 not? There's no downside. We just move over there, and even they have not. In my judgment, most likely they have not even rel- relinquished their American citizenship, and they can go there get every best everything. They can still come back to this country, attend Stanford University, and anywhere they want. They got the best of both sides because we don't care, all right. But they are the tool. They become the useful tool, useful fool of the Chinese government, the re- regime, and to serve our America's enemies' purpose. Okay, so. In short, for people like them, being whether they are still a U.S. citizen or not is a big deal. Okay, it's a big, huge deal. Because remember, when they went over there, joined the team China, perceiving there's no consequence. If they lost their U.S. citizen, that's that is some consequence. 
if that that is the consequence, 99, maybe 100 percent of Chinese American won't do that kind of thing. I mean, Chinese American people similar to them won't do that thing because now they have to give something. They won't give. Yeah, would they really sacrifice their citizenship of the United States? Yeah, for that. Well, some may, right? Some, we, we cannot afford one percent or below, okay? Right. Because just think about somebody meet you, you run into and just tell you, I love socialism. I love you know just uh, you know just even out everything. I love whatever characteristic of China or the communism or the socialism. You just tell me. You just tell them. How about just move over there? Move to Cuba. Move to Venezuela. Move to China. Tell that to the Chinese American people who love CCP. If you just ask them their question, they will shut up right away. Yeah, and I, I wanted to read uh, the, a quote from uh, this um, Charles Robert Jenkins, who defected to North Korea. He wrote a memoir. It's, uh, the name is called To Tell the Truth, U.S. Army Deserter to North Tells It All. And he, he wrote, I was so ignorant. I never knew that the country I would temporarily take refuge in was a monstrous prison that cannot be understood using common sense. For almost everyone, North Korea is like an uh, Italian's uh, pit that once trapped, one can never escape again forever. Yeah, that's it. And uh, if um, this Beverly, this Beverly girl, and uh, this um, Elaine. Elaine have nothing against you, if you, you know, love the regime so much, just, just, just do an honest job. Give up your U.S. citizenship and join, you know, join the, join China, and twenty years later, you, you tell us, report to us, give us a, a scorecard of how how you feel about that, okay? And that would be a very honest question. Every person who can get in front of these two ladies should ask them the question: Do you use a Chinese passport? And ask their answer. Ask for their answer, okay? And I think that's the, you know, ultimate ultimate answer to this. Uh, we don't want people who tell lie and has, have the best of both sides. That's dishonest. That's uh, not truthful. That's a shame. That should not be a, a good behavior of a good citizen, let alone an outstanding athlete. So that's my ending word. Yeah, and uh, I what think, do you think? Uh, yeah, the more uh, dire thing is, uh, you know, if we just allow, you know, of, of course they have their own choices, but if the United States just allow such things to continue to, um, to happen, just like we said, there's no consequences. Then, you know, it would really impact on other people, right? People, everybody just think that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you just uh, agree with the communist regime and then you can uh, seemingly can get the best of uh, both worlds. And uh, but, so I have yeah. one suggestion for the U.S. government. If ever, okay, they got a chance to listen to my word, let me just read it to you. One sentence, they can fix this issue, this, this modern time defection issue, okay? Um, our State Department only needs to issue one simple statement, uh, statement saying this. Since the PRC requires athletes to give up U.S. citizenship when they join, when they acquire Chinese citizenship, we understandably and accordingly revoke their U.S. citizenship. That simple policy will prevent 99, if not 100% of Chinese Americans' so-called defection in the future. And I hope they, they can hear me and uh, eventually they can act on that. That's really protect our nation and protect the integrity of our citizen. All right, that, that's all about it, I right. think. That's okay. all for today. Thank it's you for pretty long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's important talk. Um, yeah, thank you for going through this with us. And uh, take care.
and uh, until next time. Right. Good Wednesday, night. Wednesday, same time. Bye bye. Bye bye.